hi. Well, well, hello. How's it going, everybody? So, um, we are calling our fans <laughs> and listeners goslings now. Oh, oh, boy. That's a new thing. All four of them. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> uh, want to shout out to Jen. Mm. Friend of the podcast and listener and fan. It's a good. Um, it's a good. It's a good idea. Yeah. Sure I don't. Do. I don't know how much I like being a Papa Goose, but I can roll with this. <laughs> You'll go with it. You'll go with it because I said so. Because I said so. You don't get a choice. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, um, welcome so, back. This is episode six. Yeah, but again, thanks to Jen for that, and mm-hmm. she sent in a bunch of suggestions. That's that's um, sweet for topics, which we appreciate. We threw them all on our list, and mm-hmm. we're looking forward to uh, doing a deep dive into some of those pretty soon here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'll be fun. If you guys have any suggestions, please send them our way. Our emails at the end of the show. You'll mm-hmm. hear it there. It's also the- just now it's goose chase podcast at gmail.com. So yeah. send us stuff. We like stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we're back. Uh, this uh, this week I'm going to have a topic to talk about that you have sent me out to look after mm-hmm. uh, to go down the the deep hole of the internet and uh, find out what kind of weird mush is in there. Yeah, but, you you guys can't tell, but I'm excitedly wagging my tail. <laughs> you are, you're like, you're like <laughs> just doing a little wiggle. Uh-huh. Uh, and appropriately so, because this is a good one. Uh, but I want to start us off like we do every week with the weekly news quiz. Mm-hmm. Or two lies and a truth. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. This one is. Uh, I had fun with this one. So the rules of this one, if you're listening for the first time, I present two false stories and one true story, and uh, and and uh, oh gosh, I was gonna say quizzy get the guessing for, but I already said that. So uh, we didn't introduce each other. No, nah, right. This is this is um a little little drugsy baby. Mm-hmm. And and uh, across from me. Is uh, glasses nerdy port? It works. <laughs> All right. It's, it's what guess. my mama calls me. <laughs> so, two of these stories are not true. One of them is. It will be up to you to determine which of them is the true story. Are you ready? Come at me, bro. Okay. <laughs> First story. This year, a beer named the Pissner, whose grains were fertilized with 50,000 liters of festival goers' urine, goes on sale in Denmark. The Pissner. Is it spelled P-I-S-S-N-E-R? It's spelled like piss with ner at the end. Pissner. Okay. Uh, the second one. The newly discovered journals of Alexander Graham Bell reveal his first words over, tele- over radio were not, come here, Watson, I need you. They were, in fact, oh, damn, when he spilled his inkwell on his desk as he was attempting to push the button. Okay. His official first word over the radio was, oh, damn. <laughs> that uh, sounds like something I must do. <laughs> it's, it's a nice, it's, well, anyway. Um, it's quaint. And uh, the third story. A new Silicon Valley startup named Tweaker this week sought crowdfunding for an app that helps users find other users with similar tastes in drugs. It raised $1.8 million on Kickstarter before being pulled for violating their terms and conditions. These are good. I, I like this one. This one's fun. <sighs> okay. Recap. 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 A beer named the Pissner goes on sale in Denmark. It was fertilized with 50,000 liters of festival goers' urine. 
What do you mean fertilized? The grains were fertilized with 50,000 liters of piss. The pissner. <laughs> Number two. No, I kind of believe that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number two. Alexander Graham Bell's first words over the, the radio, that the, the telephone, were uh-huh. not, not Watson, come here, I need you, but oh damn, when he spilled his inkwell when he was attempting to press the transmission button. Okay. Three, new Silicon Valley startup named Tweaker, which seeks crowdfunding for an app that helps other users, users find other users with similar tastes in drugs, raised $1.8 million before being pulled from Kickstarter. This is really tough. I kind of think these are pretty good. This is really tough. Um, okay, so in regards to the first one, the Pissner. Pissner. I kind of buy it, but here's the thing. I don't have a green thumb at all. <laughs> I can't grow things. I can't keep... Let alone a yellow it. thumb. <laughs> right. But I just don't know if... Urine can actually be used as a fertilizer. Like, I know manure can, mm. but I just don't know, like, if that is something that would be used to actually fertilize. Well, wait till you get a load of the poopner, which is coming out in 2018. <laughs> that I believe. I could be, if, it was, if it was poop, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. The poopner, um, next in line. Festival goers poop. It's probably rich in something. I don't know. They had great um, gravy and, and pepperoni and I don't know <laughs> breakfast shits. Probably I don't know. <laughs> Lots of other disgusting. alcohol. <laughs> uh, okay, and then the second one. Second one. Alexander Graham Bell <clears throat> saying, okay. "Oh damn!" as he spills his inkwell, reaching oh, for the yay! transmission button. Oh, oh, damn! <laughs> I actually really like that interpretation. It's just, oh, damn! <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even talk the like last that. One is the startup. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Tweaker. God, this is so hard. By the way, Tweaker is spelled T W E A K R, much like Grinder or Tumblr. Okay. Ugh. I. I believe all of them, um, but yeah. one of them is actually real. One of them is real. Are you playing along out there in yeah. podcast land? Yeah. <laughs> Let us know how you guys are doing yeah. on these quizzes. <laughs> Tell us how dumb I am. They make us feel right foolish yeah. every week. Um, and we're just getting better at the lines. <laughs> I'm going to say that the real one is Tweaker. Tweaker, the crowdfunding app for drug users to find yeah. other drug users. Shut down by Kickstarter or whatever because... For violating their terms and conditions. Yes. You are absolutely wrong! I got <laughs> real excited for a second. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't resist the urge to do that thing. Your eyes, like, flashed I know, over. I know. <laughs> I got excited. I stumped you. Okay, what was the real one? The real one is the Pitsner. I kid you not. I was really torn. <laughs> I wanted Alexander Graham Bell to have said, oh damn. Me too. Um, I thought that's such a human thing. Yeah. But I also realized, I'm like, well, I don't know if he'd really write that in his journal, but it's just plausible enough. Yeah. Um. Okay, so they really did fertilize... They really fertilized all the grain for this Pissner beer with 50,000 liters of piss they collected <laughs> from festival goers. They watered and, and fertilized the grains with it. 
so, and I mean, grew a beard. These craft brew people do a lot of weird stuff with beer. I totally, Some weirdos. I believe that they would do something like that. Yes. I just don't know enough about, like... Using piss as fertilizer. <laughs> well, it's, it seems no. counterintuitive to me. I really thought you put piss on something that dies. It's nitrogen rich, right? I guess. Like too. I don't know. What's in piss anyway? Acid, too much of that? I don't know. Yeah. And the right amounts, you know? They might have balanced it with something. Some coffee and a little bit of poop. <laughs> a little bit of poop. <laughs> just make a nice poop slurry. Yeah. And just sprinkle that on like them the doodads. Disgusting milkshake. <sighs> this must have reeked. Like. It takes a decent amount of grain, you know, to make a Wait, commercial beer. How did they collect the festival? That's a very fans? good question, which I did not get the answer to. I would love for you to use your imagination. What I think probably happened? Porta potties. I, I, you know, here's the thing though: the pee and the poop all gets mixed up in there. I don't know how no, they would do it. I know. I feel like what they probably did is set up a booth, like a bathroom booth, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Listen." You can go and pee in here. Bring your sample back to us in like a bottle, like a like a this sealed bottle, and we'll just load up the truck with them. I'm thinking maybe they had a porta potty or some kind of thing set up that was like this is just for pee. If you want your pee to be used to make this beer, we're gonna make just use this. But how did they not guarantee they didn't get a turd in the punch bowl? They had to have someone be there, like, grilling drunk festival goers before they go into the bathroom and be like, only piss. Yeah. Because people can't even separate their recyclables. <laughs> That's, I know. That's a really good point. I mean, I'm thinking. Like they can't even get the trash in the trash bin and the plastic in the plastic. That's what I'm thinking is you're going to trust the goodwill of some drunk people that and while they're having that piss. more than drunk. Like, they don't squeeze out a little, little duke while they're at it. Maybe there was. Maybe there was some. I don't know. Probably. I don't know. Poop is good for <laughs> fertilizer. They probably were just like, eh. Fuck it. Yeah. We just won't tell them we about just, the We'll just turd. collect whatever waste. You know, if there's some turds in there, it's fine. This is real gross. Bonus. I apologize. <laughs> but that was the real story. Okay. Shockingly. Here's my other question. Yeah. Would you drink it? Would I drink the beer? Yeah. Absolutely. I'd try it. I, I would try it. I'm not too proud to try some pissy beer. And the thing is, it's been, it's, you know, it goes through it's the boiled. whole, it gets, yeah, first of all, you know, whatever, the grains get boiled and sanitized. Um, the, 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 it's not like the piss is all over the grain. I mean, it pulls yeah. stuff up and nutrients and stuff, but I don't think it's basically a piss grain. I don't think it's yeah. really like that. I would think it's probably, you know, like a normal, you know, you pee on an apple tree, you're going to still eat the apple, right? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a... Simile that like you're acting like it's a really common thing to say. No, it's not. It's not an expression. I'm just saying, like you know, it seems grosser. I think the reason it seems grosser is because the end product is still a yellowy water thing. Yeah, that foams when you pour it. Like it does. It still looks gross. I don't know. I drink it. You guys can let us know if you would. I would drink the pissner in a heartbeat. I'm just saying. (laughs) Anyone out there? I'll take the challenge. Um, I don't know if you guys know, but. A uh, little drugsy baby is a is a little little brew, little brew baby. Yeah, and you know what? Maybe I'll make my own piss beer and see maybe, what happens. Maybe you will. Maybe I will I'll piss all over it. <laughs> I mean, I could grow my own hops here for beer making. You maybe could. I'll just piss on them and see what happens. Uh, all right. Yeah, 
Um, and then not tell yeah, anybody. Dave homebrews. Mm-hmm. So uh, in fact, topics of beer and brewing are close to our hearts. In fact, uh, on Sunday I brewed uh, my very first Drogtoberfest, which is uh, it, sitting right in front of us here. Yeah, it uh, looked and smelled really delicious. It's gonna so be a, it's gonna be a little monster. That. It's gonna be a little monster ready just in time for Halloween, probably. Mm. Which is gonna be nice. Um. Anyway, so that does it for the news quiz, unfortunately. I mean, we're, uh, I stumped you. I stumped you good. So well, you have gotten one of these right. One. Just one. And I have failed. So I think I'm one for three, and you are currently zero for three. <laughs> if yes. I am keeping track properly. Yeah. That's all right. It's designed yeah. to be a hard game. Yeah. Plausibility dis- being, you know. disappointed in myself. <laughs> no, nope. Just, you know, this is, <laughs> don't be disappointed in yourself. Be impressed with me. I am <laughs> Um But anyway, so that does it for that. Um, I yeah. don't. I I know that you wanted to take the second segment of the show to talk a little bit about our trip to New York. Yeah, this is the first time we've recorded since we've been back, and yes. I honestly had no other segment prepared, so I figured <laughs> we could just talk about what we did and mm-hmm. um, how good a time we had. And it was I, awesome. I'm drinking out of my Depeche Mode mug uh-huh. that you got for me. That I drunkenly insisted on. <laughs> you did insist on it. It was a little weird, but I'm actually really happy I have it now. Because yeah. I, uh, we went to, the last night we were there, we went to Madison Square Garden to see Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. Um, right across the street from our little rat hole of a hotel room. That place was a shithole. <laughs> it's my, my sleep apnea mask still smells of stale smoke from that place. It oh, had its God. own smell. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, I, I feel bad hating on it, but like it was not it was nice. Rough. It was rough. The, so the hotel, I took pictures of the door yeah. of the hotel because it, looks like it sp- looked out straight out of Shining. Like, it was creepy. I thought of Bioshock. Yeah, it, it really had that kind of feel. Like it hadn't thing. been updated since the 40s. Yeah, I think the decor was probably actually more like 60s, 70s, but it was not. It was not good. Yeah. They needed a fresh coat of paint on all the walls. Like, uh-huh. there's just, like, marks on all the walls. No one's and the done floor. Anything. There was a weird, like, worm-shaped burn on the floor, and I was like, I don't know what that is. It yeah. And looks the like the carpet, floor has hookworm. The carpet was real thin. Yeah, it was. It looked almost like AstroTurf. You can only think of how much just human fluid yeah. had the, been absorbed into that the thing. The first thing we did was strip the bed <laughs> yeah. and look Check. for evidence of bed bugs. And the mattress was actually very clean. The mattress was very clean and soft. Nice yeah. to sleep on. This is at the Hotel Pennsylvania, which is like, an, it's a known quantity in New York because it's in a really, really good location and it's really it's cheap. literally across the street from Madison Square Garden. The, yeah. And we got a decent price for New York. Yeah. This um, is where people who don't care that much about accommodations but want subway access and a decent location go. Right. And you do have access to, there's a gym right behind the hotel. It's not in the hotel, but there's a gym behind the hotel that you have access to when you stay at the hotel. I didn't get a chance to use it. We were only there for four days, but it had like a pool and stuff. So had we been there longer, Mm -hmm. I could have used that gym. So they do have accommodations. It's just like you get what you pay for. Sure. You know what you're signing up for. But yeah, we walked into that room and we're like, oof. Yeah. (laughs) 
So what do we do for our first day? Uh, well, first, first morning. Well, the first day when we got there. Yeah. We ended up getting stuck in traffic yeah, that's in New Jersey. Yeah. And well, like someone died too. It was like oh, fucked up. It was up. bad. It was like we were we were upset because we were stuck in traffic for two hours. And then we're upset because the reason we're stuck in traffic for two hours is yeah. because there was a horrific car accident in New, Jer- in New Jersey on our way into New York. And yeah. at least one person lost their life. So yes. it was just like it was grim. a horrible setup for everyone on the bus. <laughs> no one is happy. I was flipping my shit. I, I, I couldn't. I was really freaking getting freaked out. Uh, I was having you, a hard time. You also hadn't had nicotine in a while. Uh, it was starting to get dicey in there. I was I was very close to saying to the bus driver, like, listen, I'm going to I'm going to exit this bus on the stopped freeway. And you're just going to let me do it. <laughs> yeah. So to paint a picture of how bad that it was, it wasn't like at one point we weren't even inching forward. We yeah. were just stopped because they're, they shut down all four lanes of this highway because mm-hmm. the accident was so bad that they had to do the investigation. So they were rerouting people. There was a detour. But by the time we got to that point, the detour was shut down too. Yeah. So we had to sit and wait until the investigation was over and they cleared the road before terrible. we could go. So that was an extra two hours. We yeah. got in at 8.30 instead of like 5.30. We got in at night. We uh, walked over to the halal cart, got ourselves a nice little chicken platter. We'll get back to that. I don't oh, want so to take too long talking about New York, but I want to hit the highlights. Um, um, we made friends with that halal cart guy. We made that friends with the, the only time we ate there. That dude was a godsend. He was uh, nice and he was talking on the phone the whole time. Yeah. Like, on his headset. Like, he was only half paying attention to us, mm-hmm. but the food was so good. We had a really decent halal. We uh, laid down at the uh, hotel room. We watched TV. We fell asleep. In the morning, Saturday morning, I actually forget what we did first. Well, uh, Saturday morning, we went to Soho. That's right. We and went down to Bite, Bite Lip Lab. Yeah. Um, we got there super early because our MO is generally to, like, go early to wherever we have to go. Yeah. Check out where it is and then kind of walk around the surrounding area and see what we see until we have to be there. Yeah. Because we just like to explore. Mm-hmm. So we did that. We saw where Bite Lip Labs was. And then we got some coffee across the street. Mm-hmm. We walked all around. You met dogs named Mango and oh, Chutney. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Mango <laughs> and Chutney. Um, and <laughs> we then, met a lot of dogs. And then I think Nero and Play-Doh. Nice. Um, those were my first. Uh, Shiba Inos that I've ever met in yeah. person. A lot smaller than I thought they'd mm-hmm. be. Yeah. Uh, met a lot of dogs in New York. Uh, we walked around a bit, but bunch more. Went back to Bite. Uh, took care of uh, business. Getting some really nice lipstick made for I you. I got two lipsticks made. And um, the person who helped me was really, really nice. And she took a lot of time with me. Mm-hmm. A couple people came in to see if they could fit in for an appointment. And she was, like, very nice about, like, letting them know whether or not she'd be able to help them. Mm-hmm. But also focus on me and not make me feel rushed. Let right. me try as many different shades of lipstick as I want. Uh-huh. She was really good at, like, from my descriptions, doing exactly what I had in my head, mm-hmm. which is impressive. Yeah. Um, Dave, I think, had a good time seeing the yeah, process. Yeah, it was it's cool. It was fun. Um, I really enjoyed that. Um, we went, I think we went back to the hotel room for a bit and then we went down to 
uh, Chinatown. We walked all over Chinatown. We did that. Which was super fascinating. Always is to me. Such a While strange we area. Soho, we had Prince Street Pizza. Yeah, that's right. We had Prince Street which Pizza. Which was really good. Um, packed we, with pepperoni. And then we went over... I'm a fan of the First We Feast channel on YouTube. And they have some videos about Prince Street Pizza. So if you're going to New York, check them out. It's yeah. so good. It was really well worth it. It was expensive pizza, but like, bomb. Yeah, we also pizza. got four slices. We really <laughs> needed just two. I know. We like, we vastly overestimated. And then we went to dough to eat uh, cookie dough ice cream, basically. It's, it's just, cookie, just dough cookie dough in a bowl with a spoon. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, that was good. Walked around NYU campus, stopped and uh, ate and drank our root beers. And uh, we we went back to the hotel and then down to Chinatown again. So that's, that's where we spent some time walking around uh, there. We went. We went to a secret show, which was super cool. It was in this loft, like basically. Yeah, so, so the idea of these secret shows is that you you go on the website. It's called it's sofarsounds.com. Yeah. And you look up your area and see if there are shows going on. They tell you the general area that there's going to be a show. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, you you like click a button and say you want to go. And put in your information, and then they get back to you and tell you whether or not you can go to the show. Because mm-hmm. there's these venues aren't big. Sometimes it's someone's apartment or house. Yeah. So they decide how many people and who gets to go to the show. And mm-hmm. then if you're accepted, you can buy up to three tickets. It's $15 a pop. Yeah. So we got accepted to the one in Chinatown, mm-hmm. and Dave was freaking out because he thought it was going to be someone's home. I thought for sure we were going to walk into something real, real weird, like like some dude's living room. He kept talking about it on Facebook because he was sure we were going to be murdered, yeah. which I understand. <laughs> it didn't but, seem right at all. No part of I'm it seemed a, right. I'm a fan of My Favorite Murder, and I'm in their Facebook group. And I'm in some of their offshoot Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. And someone in one of those groups is the person who suggested doing this and had done it multiple times. Yeah. So I was like, another murderino suggested it. It's probably not going to get me killed. So yeah. I was a little bit less nervous than you were. But I understood the trepidation. <coughs> the show was so good, though. It was a really good show. There were probably about 75 to 100 people in attendance, I would think. Something I like that. that. Uh, something like, I don't know. Around. Around there, um, we we had we had a really cool time. It was a really wild experience to just be in this place, like be let intimate. in. Yeah, yeah. intimate acoustic setting. Um, a little bit of a little bit of electric guitar, but for the most part, quiet. Yeah, four acts mm-hmm. played. Usually with those shows, there's three, but this time there's four. Yeah. And they this the whole idea of the secret show just emphasizes. Respecting the music and the musicians, mm-hmm. being very quiet during the sets, chatting yeah. with each other in between, and getting to meet some of the musicians and interact with them, which is yeah. really nice. Um, but just being around other people that are there just for the music. And everyone was great. Yeah. Some of it was weird and silly. Some of it was really serious. Some mm-hmm. of it was very impactful. There was a butt ton of cider. There's um, a lot of free cider, uh-huh. and I... Got a little bit drunk. Um, I want to shorten this story because I don't want. I don't want to you know, make everyone listen through okay. every little thing okay. we did. Um, moving on. Yeah, we the next day we walked all over Central Park, had a nice breakfast, went up to the Upper West Side, had some beer, and then 
took off, you know, downtown again. We we went to the the test kitchen for Chipotle and had yeah. their queso, which turns out Chipotle queso is in Austin town now. First of all, yeah, and second of all, it's not that good. It's not. I don't think you should eat the Chipotle queso. It's don't. just grainy and like felt like it came out of a powder bag. Yeah. It probably does. It almost um, definitely does, which is sad. We also went to the 9-11 memorial that day. That was a very, very moving experience. Uh, we were going to see some comedy that night, and as we were there at the memorial, we took it in, and then we kind of had to go sit down and like talk through what we were feeling. Yeah, we had like a profound reaction. Um, so we talked about it a little bit, and I think at one point I looked at you and went, this is a really good idea to do this right before going to see comedy. <laughs> Just really setting ourselves up. Which then we basically did. We went We went up, we went to Chipotle, and then we walked up to the UCB in Chelsea, and we got to see a live Cat show, which is a long-running UCB improv show mm-hmm. that was just amazing. Saw a couple of people we recognized, had a great yeah. time. It was super, I super funny. I couldn't have been happier yeah. with that show. I was so impressed. And now when I see shows that have a couple of those people in them, yeah, I have so much fun pointing out to like my mom and my stepdad and be like, oh, you watch Silicon? Well, this guy who's yeah. in that show, I saw him do comedy live. I saw him do improv. Yeah, um, everybody was basically on fire. I mean, they were really, really good. Great. I mean, it's UCB. Yeah. It's, Everyone's going to be great. It's among the best of the best, period. It was a really good time, and we've already decided that the next time we go to New York, we're going to try to hit a UCB show, like, every single night. Oh, yeah. Oh, without a doubt. It was that fun. I could do that two times. I could go to both shows every day that we're there and just... That's money well spent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was relatively cheap. It was 12 bucks for both of us to get into yeah. the early show. That's, like, not bad at all. That's yeah. dirt cheap for what you get. That's it's, the price of a movie ticket, for God's really sake. It's really cheap quality entertainment. And if you're into comedy, yeah. if you want to see... Some people you might recognize and other people that you are just, like, kind of up and coming. Yeah. Go see some UCB shows. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that. Um, so that was a really, really good experience. Next day, we got up. That was the day we went to breakfast, wasn't it? When we went to the diner. That was the next... Oh, no, no, no. The next day, we went down to the Southside Seaport... We popped into a deli. We grabbed a Reuben at yeah, like eleven o'clock. For <laughs> uh, we could barely walk around because our little tootsies were oh, just yeah. like in pain. But and we did I anyway. A, and a taco covered cannoli. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, walking was so difficult, but we did. We walked around the financial district, uh, you know, a little bit. We. Uh, mm. Uh, Tried to go to a yarn store, but yeah. it wasn't open. It was just like up a. Uh, we went up an elevator and we popped out at what was like an office and maybe an apartment, and and neither looked inviting, and we left. So I've been to yarn stores in like yarn factories in really weird places. Yeah. So it didn't phase me that much, but I saw the sign on the door. It was definitely in that building. It yeah. just No one was there. Right. They were open, but they weren't open. Right. So uh, whatever. No harm, no foul. Um, we left from there. We went, uh, gosh, I actually am starting to lose. Did we go back lose. to the hotel? We, you know what we did? Because actually at this point we were melted down. We spent a lot of time relaxing at the hotel. We went to get sushi in a weird, weird location where um, there were just these I guys think it sitting was a around. For something, but it, we don't know what the sushi was delicious. The sushi was great, and it was kosher. And it was kosher. So Which Jewish free, Jewish friendly sushi. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, there were three guys sitting in chairs on their phones outside the place, and no one's order was. They weren't like waiting for an order, so yeah. we, I don't know what the hell they were really doing. We I um, and then we went back to the hotel, ate. I drank some beer. You drank some beer. We went over to Madison Square Garden, and we saw motherfucking Depeche Mode. So I knew I'd have a good time because I'd seen them once before. I saw them at Lollapalooza many, many, many years ago. Many. Many years ago. <laughs> and obviously it was a good show, but it, it was very different because it was an outdoor show. So it was really nice to see them in like Madison Square Garden. Yeah. But I was more excited to see your reaction. I was blown away. I'm not even really that big a Depeche Mode listener. I'm the kind of guy who like can name like one or two of their songs. Yeah. And that's it. Um, I was really impressed. And these dudes are not young anymore. They are not young anymore. And they are... 25 and up. They're rocking like they're in their 20s still. Dave Gahan shaking his little tush out there. Literally. He literally goes... Shaking his little tush. He goes on the catwalk at that. He shook his little tush on the catwalk like right said Fred. Catwalk extending (laughs) from one side of the stage. And he'd occasionally go out there and flaunt his stuff. They yeah. could have a little catwalk for And people him. are flipping out at Dave Gahan's booty, and I'm just up there like, this is yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, it was great. It was a very cool experience, very cool set, great venue. Um, we drank some Tecate, which is uh, a beer <laughs> that I have not been drinking very much, and now I know that it exists, and I don't really want it again. It was uh, just expensive, and yeah, it, was, it like, was there. Like $10, you know, can of Tecate beer that I didn't like very much, and I did, I think, two. Did I do two of them? Uh, maybe just the one. I forget. I don't know. Anyway, um, really cool time. That was basically it. The next day, we got our booties in an Uber and, and headed for the, the bus stop. Mm-hmm. But... Um, and then our our bus driver hit the <gasps> city bus. Oh god! So yeah, like if as if the trip there wasn't bad enough with the, the traffic congestion. On the way out of New York, she hits a city bus, and then we have to sit there and wait for her to get hit for him the city bus to get a supervisor on the horn to figure out if he could authorize us to leave. My favorite part is that as we were leaving the pickup site. Someone came late to yeah. get on the bus, and we were already running a little bit behind. And the bus driver or whoever was like, "No, I can't stop for you. Like you were supposed to be here at this time. Now we have to go." And then, like, not even five blocks away, we ended up being stopped for like forty-five minutes to an hour because yeah. she clipped a city bus, and yeah. we had to wait for the guy's supervisor. I think at that point, that person got on, right? Mm-hmm. Did she? I think that was when they came up the stairs. Wasn't it while we were stopped there? I don't know. I guess it doesn't matter. I didn't think she ever came on the bus. Uh, I I hope she took advantage of the chaos to get on the bus. I don't know. Um, But, yeah, that's basically our trip to New York in a nutshell. It was really, really fun. I love that city. um, We'll definitely go back and do more exploring and see some new stuff. There's lots of stuff we didn't even mention here, but just, like, all kinds of good, wholesome little experiences. Mostly walking around and just seeing what there is to see, because that's just what we like to do. We're not super touristy people. We like to hit up some sites, but we just like to drink it all in. Yeah, I like to take in a place as people and its culture. Yeah. I'm not there to see shows necessarily. You know, I'm not there to... You know, hang out in Times Square, go to Broadway, you know, eat at uh, the world's most expensive Red Lobster. That's not my thing. Um, <laughs> I, Dave, I want lobster. <laughs> that's, that's such a goofy story, I swear to God. I don't want to get into that one right now. But, uh, Another time. Yeah, so, yeah, we had a really good time. It's a fascinating city. 
I can have fun there doing just about nothing. Um, yeah. It's like a dream someday to live there for a little bit, maybe. I mean, I would... Or live in a city, someplace more city-like than... Really, I would love to live in New York for a year of my life. I only get probably 60-some of them. That's, I'm guessing <laughs> I'm going to die in my 60s. That's my prediction. So, okay. So a 60th of my life should be spent in New York. Okay. When you turn 59, <laughs> shipping it to New York. Uh, so that, that's that segment. That's what we did in New York. We yes. had a good time. It was a great experience. Yeah. We're going to do that again. I want to plan a similar trip to Chicago because I, I uh, lived there for a few years. Yeah. And... Uh, would like to do something similar there because mm-hmm. it's another city that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah. And someday I think we will. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we will. Um, but for the time being here, we are going to stop and take a little break. Uh, and when we come back, we are going to hit our main segment uh, in oh, just yeah. a minute here. So stick around. back with the main segment for this episode. It's what you've all been waiting for. Uh, I, uh, I am subtitling this, Everyone is Special, Just Some People Are More Specialer Than Others. Mm-hmm. Uh, would also you like known to... as, you're not special. <laughs> Nobody's special. Uh, would you like to explain what this topic is before I get into it? Yeah, um, I told Dave that I would like him to do a little research on a little something called indigo children, also mm-hmm. known as like rainbow children, and there's another and one, crystal children. Crystal children. Um, basically, these are, are special children for a couple of different reasons, and it, it can kind of maybe go to a weird place. And I just wanted to know what these terms meant and. Mm-hmm. What it encompasses, and mm-hmm. uh, Dave is going to tell me all about that. Yes, I am. I'm going to tell you all about this. Um, so, indigo children. First of all, I should start and say, like anything else, with enough people interested in it, who can define things exactly how they want, it can mean a number of things to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the root of everything, the start of it is, and this I'm going to read right from Wikipedia for a definition. Indigo children, according to a pseudoscientific New Age concept, are children who are believed to possess special, unusual, and sometimes supernatural traits or abilities. They are sometimes also referred to as crystal children or star children, which is one that did not keep coming up in my research. Hmm. Um, so the idea, or really the, 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 the brief description of this, is that it was coined by someone named Nancy Ann Tapp, who developed this idea in the 1970s. Uh, she eventually published a description or a, a sort of a, a, a rubric or a framework in her 1982 book, Understanding Your Life Through Color. 
That sounds like the type of scientific text <laughs> right. that I want to I want to read yeah, and some, get some information some, on my star child. Some real hard science. Also, when I think of star children or star child, I think of the the child with the weirdly formed head, the skull that they found. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're you talking about. about. Oh, Is there a kid with a star shaped about... head? It's not star shaped. It's... <laughs> <laughs> That's no, what I'm picturing. It's it's like a remains that people always go to to claim evidence of aliens. Oh, okay. So like some sort of a strange, like, like a, an alien bone to human, and they got this star child. Gotcha. That's um, what I think of. Anyways. So the term indigo in indigo children, as you will see soon, uh, it is it's kind of in dispute. But the truth behind it is that uh, this founder, Nancy Ann Tapp, claimed that. Uh, everybody has a aura, mm-hmm. which right off the bat, I go, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has an aura and that aura has a color. She was a person who claimed to have synesthesia mm-hmm. and that she was able to perceive things that other people couldn't. And one of those things was a colored aura that surrounds everybody. Okay. Synesthesia is a thing. Sure. But it doesn't mean you're actually seeing auras. It doesn't mean that what you're seeing is a thing other than a miscoded sensory perception. It's not more real than anything anyone else sees. Right. And for anyone who doesn't know what synesthesia is, it's basically a linking of several senses together or a couple senses together. So um, I knew people that saw like musical notes or sounds as colors Mm -hmm. in their heads. So when they heard it, there would be an image in their head associated with it. Yeah. Um, people's voices could have an image or color associated with it. Mm-hmm. So that, I I kind of get people thinking of that like an aura. I think mm-hmm. someone once told me mine was like orange or like yellow with orange polka dots or something like that. <laughs> Some one of my friends that had synesthesia. Okay. So I kind of get that idea, but synesthesia is just like linking of a couple of different senses. Yes. Um, the the extra leap in faith for Nancy Ann Tapp is that she claimed this aura was indicative of strange abilities or extra abilities, you know, uh, 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 powers or sensitivities or something that they had that other people didn't. I can fly. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell because my aura is purple. That's actually not that far out. Uh, because she would, uh, she would say, she would say a lot of things like this. Uh, it actually wasn't a very new idea. The idea of the special, unique, supernatural, or gifted child Everyone is not a new one. Everyone wants to think their kid is special. Yes, you it's... don't want to think your kid is just like a kid. Right, but more, more than that, she, she sort of, she took existing ideas of like you know gifted or supernatural children and just added a layer on top. That's really her only real contribution to those ideas was, and there's a color aura. Um, modern day uh, uh, people who are into this whole indigo thing often dispute the entire beginnings with the colored auras because they know it sounds stupid, okay. but that's where it gets its name. So they're like, no, no, no. It's We're not totally wacky. legit. It's not weird. <laughs> These kids just have special abilities. Bingo. That's all. Bingo. That's what they, that's how they describe themselves. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, I will tell you this. I tried to find background on Nancy and Tap. Mm-hmm. It was surprisingly difficult. I bet she's a spy. Uh, well, I, w- I don't know about that, but I just, I had a very hard time finding a detailed biography of this woman. 
Uh, I will tell you what I did find. She okay. was born in 1931. At some point, like I said, she developed a type of synesthesia, uh, which she documented in her book. She became the owner of this discipline, you know, through this, uh, the book and, you know, talking about this. She became the owner of it, which she called colorology. Would you say she was the owner of a lonely heart? <laughs> I wouldn't, <laughs> but you could. I'm going to say she was. So, colorology. Colorology. It's it's an attempt to turn it into a discipline. Uh, The study of auras uh, in which she taught students her new paradigms of consciousness and the timelessness of metaphysics. Okay, so here's here's a thing. Um, If you can see auras because you have a synesthesia, it doesn't really seem like something you can teach to someone else. They either have that specific kind of synesthesia or they don't. But boy, oh boy, did she try. Um, <laughs> I mean, you gotta have goals. Yeah. I do believe that this was, I do believe she had this. I actually, I find I'm, it very plausible. I'm sure she had synesthesia. Like, yeah. I don't doubt that. I just doubt it meant what she thought it meant. Uh, and then additionally, last piece of information, she died in 2012 in Carlsbad, California. Okay. Um, a lot of, like I said, a lot of, a lot of modern indigo outlets do kind of almost disregard her, which I think is a little bit sad in a way. Yeah. Because it's like crazy or not, she dedicated her life to the shit, including doing a weekly Tuesday like column with people. Like she really had a following of the people that are really into this shit. Yeah, and you know it does kind of make me sad when someone like really believes in something yeah. and, and I think really she hard on it and then like years later everyone's like I am that person we don't talk about that person and it's like well like you don't have to agree with it but you have to kind of acknowledge <laughs> at least acknowledge the history <laughs> yeah at least acknowledge the history don't like you know lift it and walk away yeah I mean for better or worse this all this all was popularized by her yeah she gets all the credit and all the blame yeah <laughs> you know what I mean um, so let's get into what makes an indigo child, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, from her book, in her own words, indigos are extremely bright, precocious children with an amazing memory and a strong desire to live instinctively. These children of the next millennium are sensitive, gifted souls with an evolved consciousness who have come here to help change the vibrations of our lives. It's getting weird. Mm-hmm. And create one land, one globe, and one species. They are our bridge to the future. You start talking about vibra- vibrations. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. going somewhere. It starts to get dippy. Yeah. Um, this is a thing that creeps its way into various aspects of this this kind of thinking. That it goes beyond just talented kids or unique kids or kids with an aptitude or kids who are different to kids that are like savior types. Yeah. So basically they're going to accelerate us. um, Yeah. So we can now survive the next part, the next generations because these kids have special talents, special abilities. Yes. uh, They're more intelligent. Mm -hmm. um, And they're going to be, the children are our future. (laughs) The children are our future. But these children are really going to be our future. These children are our evolution. Yeah. Um, some of the crazier, you know, modern claims <laughs> include that, like I said, they're the next stage of human evolution, that every new baby now is an indigo. They're all indigos now. Hey, I, I've met some babies. Uh, um, they're, they're not that cool. Some of them are, are not that talented. They're not that cool. They just suck. And I'm, okay, guys, you have kids. That's great. And, and they're probably really good kids, but 
great. They're not wizards. <laughs> they're not Harry Potter. They're just kids. Just let them be kids also. That's, that's another thing that's kind of like starting to irk me is like, don't put so much pressure on them. Just let them be a kid. You're seeing ahead into where I'm going, I think. Because, yes, I agree. This is a weird kind of pressure, and it changes the adult-child relationship in ways that I think are not good. Yeah. Um... Uh, they also claim that reincarnation is a part of this paradigm and that if you die, you will come back as an indigo because everyone's indigos now, right? Um, <laughs> people born now may be incarnated from a previous existence on another planet. Okay. And people claim to have been abducted and then brought back with, with an indigo aura, like they've left the planet and then they came back transformed. So that's some of, this is not everybody, but that's a large subset of these people, right? Okay, so these are the people that are like, but she was just too wacky. <laughs> but I was abducted and I have an indigo aura. Right, the same people that are like, well, it doesn't really, you know, refer to, you know, her theories are like, but I got abducted by aliens. <laughs> she was pretty crazy, but I got picked up in a space. But I'm for real. Uh, uh, so down to the personality characteristics. Uh, they're often indigos are often described as empathetic, curious, strong-willed, often perceived by friends and family as strange, possess a clear sense of self-definition and purpose, show a strong innate subconscious spirituality from an early childhood, and have a strong feeling of entitlement or deserving to be here. Dave, <laughs> I might be an indigo. Uh, well, <laughs> except except. Um, I don't deserve to be anywhere. <laughs> and I'm not spiritual. <laughs> well, but there is there is something to this, uh, the, the, what you just said there, um, and I, I would like to find it. It's, called, it's referred to as the Forer effect, F-O-R-E-R, Forer effect. This is when attributes are so vague they can be attributed to anybody, the same way a horoscope can apply to everybody. Mm -hmm. Many of the characteristics of being an indigo child are things you can ascribe to any kid at some time or another. Right. Um, including high intelligence, intu intuition, resistance to control-based paradigms of authority. So if your kid doesn't want to go to bed, maybe they're an indigo child. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It gets really... The definition is deliberately stretchy. Yeah. Um, almost to the point that you could, you could, you know, see through it to the point where it's, a, it's designed to make sure everybody... I mean, meanwhile, little Jimmy is just, like, eating canister after canister of Play-Doh. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like, your kid eats Elmer's glue like everyone else, man. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a very deliberately over, over, uh, oversized group of people that could be considered well, indigo children. considering that they're trying to argue that everyone's indigos now. Mm-hmm. And my other question would be like, when did that start? Uh, that's it, a, that's did a good it start question. With millennials are we all indigos now? When did this begin? That the claim that that person was making, and again, like I said, these are kind of splintered, and different people have different thoughts. But that person was claiming that it began in the in the eighties when this book was written, or the late seventies, mm -hmm. and ramping up into the two thousands at the turn of the millennium. Everyone was everyone was indigos now. Well, maybe boomers just need to give us a break because <laughs> we're all indigos and we're gonna save your butts. Yeah, we're just keeping an indigo down. I'm not an entitled dick. I'm highly evolved. I'm highly evolved, <laughs> and also I have a degree that I can't use because the economy exploded. Ah, boomers! Ah, and I want some avocado <laughs> toast. Just don't judge me. <laughs> um. 
Yeah, so, okay, so that's Indigos, right? The offshoots that you refer to, and this is unfortunate, it's unfortunate that, that, that there's not more to this, but I'll just kind of dismiss with it now. <clears throat> Crystal and Rainbow Children are more or less considered the same just thing. Just the same thing. Now, okay. the difference with Crystal Children is that they're sometimes described as, first of all, having a crystal aura by the people that still adhere to that idea. Okay. Um, that they are more peaceful than the traditional indigo. Um, they may speak late, but communicate with telepathy. Okay. Uh, and that... Here's my favorite. They've always been around in small numbers, including Jesus Christ, who was a crystal child. You know how they know? It's right in the name. Christ, crystal, crystal, Christ. Huh? I had a dog named Crystal. Does Jesus have <laughs> a dog? Like... Well, well, more specifically, the root word of Christ and the root word of Crystal are so completely different. Linguists go like, ah, God, come on. It sounds the same. They're not spelled the same. The root's not the same. <laughs> yeah. It's a very stupid, uh, like, uh, new agey, modern, anti-intellectual thing to just be like, words sound the same. They must mean the same thing. I'm rubbing my temples. I know. <laughs> it drives me nuts. <laughs> Um, rainbow children, basically, no one can really agree on what they are. They're basically just an even more specialer version of an indigo child. It's just they're just using different colors of the spectrum. Uh, and then the rainbow children, they're like, oh, Roy G. Biff. They're all good. They're just different. I think, basically, I sense an attempt to hijack something and try to make it their own thing when I hear these other terms. Yeah. It's just someone wants to add something, but they don't got nothing to say. Yeah. Um, it's just a bunch of gibberish. <clears throat> like, they forgot about it. They, like they forgot about Trey. Mm-hmm. They did. Moment of silence. Uh, so I want to move on now to what I consider to be what's really going on here. The meat. The meat in this sandwich for me. <laughs> uh, it's worth noting historical and cultural context for when this became so popular because it is on the face of it. A pretty difficult to believe thing, mm-hmm. but a lot of people have fallen into it, and it it begs the question why people are so willing to believe something so absurd. And I think there are good reasons for it. It happens to coincide this time period. I mean, this book is written in eighty two. Mm-hmm. This theory gains some kind of traction and steam over the following, say, twenty years. The at the same time as this is happening, there is an increase. In children being medicated and diagnosed for ADD, ADHD, and autism. Okay. Right? This this is the same time period in which the there's plot the plot thickens because there's a lot of there's a lot of incidences of this that are starting to like alarm people, right? The the more the most reasonable and sort of skeptical, you know, answer as to why this is happening is because we're catching it more, right? We're making right. more diagnoses. I think we've talked about this even on yeah. this show every, before. Every time that something starts to get diagnosed more often, yeah. people, there's at least a small group of people that start to freak out and say, oh, it's made up. It's not a real thing. We're, mm-hmm. we're drugging our kids. We're mm-hmm. overdiagnosing. And sure, there's going to be some people that are diagnosed that, that are wrongfully diagnosed. Yes. But... It's just from a place of higher awareness. These people were essentially slipping through the cracks, not getting proper treatment. Yes. And not being helped to the best of our abilities before. And now we have better diagnostic tools and right. we're paying more attention. And we have drugs to address issues mm-hmm. that we didn't before and therapies to address issues that right. we didn't before. So 
yes, there's more people with ADD, ADHD yes. on the autism spectrum, but they've always existed. Sure. Sure. And it's just really that people are becoming alarmed and aware of an increased number of diagnoses here, right? Mm-hmm. And people are pretty skittish about medicating their kids for, like, good reasons. Because, you know, some of those medications really change a kid's personality in, in, in ways. Right. And it, it's good to be aware of what you're mm-hmm. doing and the drugs that you're giving your kids and how that could affect them. Yes. Um, and finding ways to address it with them. I just read an article recently about someone who was, like, given ADD or ADHD meds but was never really explained what they were or why he was getting them and yeah. it made him feel really alienated alienated because he knew he was being treated and he knew he was different but yeah. he, he didn't know why sure so it you know people are reasonably skittish about this stuff it's it's very new to a lot of people it, it's hard for people to we don't talk about our differences that much we all mm-hmm. like to pretend we're in the status quo yeah and so it's difficult for people to have the language and have the discussions about you know not everyone is what we would call neurotypical yeah there there's a broad spectrum of the ways that we can be Mm -hmm. and the way that those differences affect people's personalities and and learning and and things like that so we just every time something starts to get diagnosed more, we have to like learn the language and get used to it. And it Which is hard people for people. Out. It's understandable to yeah. a certain extent, but we, we just like, we need to get familiar with talking about stuff again. So the argument here goes that in the midst of that climate developing, there is all of a sudden really out of left field and almost like serendipitously, almost at like the perfect time, this new agey, alternative explanation for what are all really when you go down the list of like the behavioral things the measurable like the non you know telepathic things Mm -hmm. they're all really consistent with one or the other of like you know add adhd type disorders or or uh or or like autistic behaviors right Mm -hmm. they're all like they're all very similar um I was kind of struck in particular by this this description of crystal children mm-hmm. that speak late but communicate with telepathy. Right. And it kind of actually, it kind of broke my heart. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me sad to think about it now. Because, like, it's, it's tough for a parent to come to terms with some of these things. Right. And who doesn't want the alternate explanation? Who doesn't want it to be that... No, my, my kid isn't speaking late because there's an issue or he's just different. He's on the autism spectrum or he's got something else going on. Yeah. Who doesn't want it to be, no, my kid's just special. Yeah. My, my kid has telepathic abilities. He's not talking yeah. to me verbally, but he's communicating in this higher level way. Right. And there's any number of ways that someone can fool themselves into really thinking of this kind of thing. And I, I get that. I really I, sympathize with I that. I get that. Yeah. I mean, it could be difficult that the way that you're used to communicating with people, you're not able to communicate with your child. Yeah. I understand wanting to believe yes. something like that. Um, where, I, where I stop being empathetic and start getting angry, <laughs> and there is a line here, is that all of this stuff really is in service to the parent. It yes. is not in service to the child. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it is at the detriment of the child that a parent lets himself think this. 
Because yeah. kids don't decide that their parents are going to not treat something that's going on with them and instead view them as like a magical child. Right. Kids don't decide this. It's really in service to the parents' need to feel like everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And so this is where I actually do get pretty upset. You know, redefining troublesome and, and, and you know, unsustainable behaviors that will make a kid unable to function in the world as well as someone else. And instead of treating them, reinforcing them. Yeah. For the parents' sake. Let's be clear. Like, if your kid has ADD or ADHD or autism or any, anything, um, it's not to say that they necessarily have to be medicated. No. It's just to say that... You need to treat it like it's a real thing. Treat it like it's a real thing. Yeah, you need to address it. Yeah. And figure out the best course of action. Yeah. Not just kind of ignore it and say, well, no, they're just special. She's an indigo child. Yeah. And these are, this is what she is. She's going to save the world. I mean. She's bringing these special abilities into the world. Treatment can be a lot of things. It doesn't have to be a medication. It could be behavioral therapy. It could be like, you know, parenting strategies. It could be a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. But to treat all all of these behaviors as proof positive of like magic is in such disservice to a child. It's lazy and it's unfair. That's really, that's how I feel about it. So, on that note, let's move on to what I think is a very telling piece of this. Jenny McCarthy. Oh, God. Yep. Uh, if I keep the whole, the whole anti-vaxxer thing that's been going through my head the whole time, so. Uh, yeah, so let's, <laughs> let's, let's get to this here. She was a notable indigo believer. I don't doubt that. In, in particular, starting in 2006. Is she an Autism Speaks person? I don't know, actually, if she belongs to that organization. I have no idea. Um, Because I I feel like a lot of these things kind of go hand in hand. Autism Speaks um, tends to err on the side of more being, like, for the the parents and not maybe as much in support of the actual people that have autism. There's a lot of autistic people that take issue yes. with the way Autism Speaks go about things. I think very reasonably because Autism Speaks treats, you know, autism as like, like a thing that we like are, go- like we are a thing. That is a thing we're going to eradicate. Whereas many people, you know, who, you know, grow up and, you know, they were you know, diagnosed autistic as kids. They go, you know, this is part of who I am. Yeah. I don't want to be wiped off the planet. Right. I'm different. I'm not wrong. I'm not a disease. Yes. I don't need to be cured. I just need to do things differently. And for that reason in particular, I think it's fair to say Autism Speaks really comes from a perspective that is not really about people with autism. It's perspective. A little bit. And yeah. It's, it, it's a perspective of... I'm sure they have plenty of people, you know, diagnosed with autism among their ranks, but uh-huh. by and large, their message is not, you know, uh, in service of people diagnosed autistic, I don't think. Right. I could I'm be wrong. sure. Someone can correct me. Send us an email yeah. if you think we're talking shit here. Yeah. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't want to remain ignorant if there's something I'm missing. Right. Um, I don't know if Jenny McCarthy is affiliated with them at all, mm-hmm. but it's the kind of... Um, the anti-vaxxer mindset kind of was among some of the people who are involved with Autism Speaks were big yeah. into that idea mm-hmm. because they're kind of into the idea of it's something that should be cured or yeah. eradicated yeah, um, or fixed entirely and yeah. not just something to yeah. address and, and work with. Yeah, right. Um, so, like I said, starting in 2006... 
She established a website which is now defunct. It actually didn't last that long. It made it about two years. <laughs> it uh, was called Indigo Moms. It was a community hub type thing for you know mothers of indigo kids to mm-hmm. talk and then sort of rejoice and celebrate and share stories or whatever. It's a very it, the, the root of it is of course you know a very positive mindset. It mm-hmm. just it just relies on some wacky kind of woo to get there. Yeah, I just every time we say indigo children, I'm just picturing purple babies. <laughs> Kids. Now I am. Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, she, at that time, considered her four-year-old son to be an indigo child. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, so did she also consider him autistic, or was this before she... We'll get there. Okay. At the time, no. Okay. Um, she was, among the other things she was doing on her website, and this, I'm sorry... I copied verbatim because okay. it's a gold mine of weird. Okay. I found this on a website dedicated specifically to sort of like uh, ridiculous pseudoscience. And I promise I will link it in the description because this is a big part of this is something they pointed out. Um, she sold on her website as a fundraiser in order to donate a large percent of the profits to a school for indigo children. Oh, no. I know. To to raise money for that, she sold a subscription to something called the Quantum Prayer Wheel. This is by far the the most batshit thing I've ever heard. For $365 a year, I'm not kidding, a dollar a day, you could subscribe to this service. I will tell you what it is. Bear with me. This is from the website verbatim. Dr. William Nelson, the creator of the EPFXSCIO... Whatever that is. Yeah, everyone knows that. Invented the quantum prayer wheel. It is a quantum physics technology that uses a computer. Doubt it. To broadcast, right, to broadcast the healing frequencies of prayer and healing information to energetically balance you continuously 24-7. Um, we would have to know the frequencies of prayer. <laughs> All of this is just making me so angry. <laughs> just, like, buckle in. Um, oh. Since our bodies are always emitting electrical impulses, the program can mathematically communicate information to your consciousness in the same language in which the body speaks. We use information unique to you to create an energy signature, which establishes communication with you. It does not matter where you're living or where you are at any given moment. The quantum prayer wheel interfaces with you through the function of your higher self, using subtle energies and information to communicate with your consciousness. This is the same way the EPFX SCIO works in long-distance sessions called subspace. I'm like halfway through. Seriously. I, I listen to I'm this. Just, I'm just my face. <laughs> I know. I'm just watching your face get smushier. Uh, The quantum prayer wheel sends corrective frequencies that attempt to eliminate stress potentials that can be present with certain imbalances. This is similar, (laughs) I love this, to how an antivirus software scans, clears, and protects your computer. Doubt it. When inner stress is released, the individual's own natural healing abilities help improve harmonic resonance, resulting in increased physical, mental, and or spiritual health. Participants frequently report significant decrease in physical discomfort or blockages and blockages and increase in flexibility, relaxation, physical and emotional well-being. I'm almost done. The energetic balancing system may be the most advanced and effective subtle energy alignment technology available in the world today. Similar to a modern Tibetan prayer wheel, the quantum prayer wheel generates and broadcasts 92,000 prayer frequencies per second directly to you. 
92,000 prayer frequencies Ooh, per second. I don't even know what to do with well, the other. Well, now I'm on board. Included is a huge spectrum of balancing frequencies designed for optimum health and advancement and personal growth. There was so much woo and bullshit in there. <laughs> it's I it's am, so good. I am so angry. It's so good. It's like... I can't even parse it. I can't I know. break it down. It's like, okay, so there's <laughs> something that makes me really mad is when people use this jargon. Yes. They develop this jargon kind of... Scientific e sounding. Similar to and what you so, ran into with the reptilians. Right. Every time there's something out there like this, yeah. you run into this. You have to dig in so deep to separate it because you have to learn an entire new language yeah. Yeah. just to understand what's happening. Yes. It's like my dad was talking to me about something at one point and showing me videos. Yeah. And I had to like go home and rewatch the video and like break down what the guy was talking about. Yeah. Because at every turn, it's something that doesn't mean anything. School for a science. Yeah, it was over my head because it wasn't. It didn't actually make any sense. Right. But just someone who is less educated in that specific thing. Yeah. That the guy is talking about, it sounds. It could pass for science. Legit. It It could pass for science. Like science, except for a few key words that that make me go, okay, that's pseudoscience bullshit. There's always those red flags in there. It Um, makes me. Mad Usually energies or things like that. Right, frequencies, vibrations. Yeah. Um, it makes me mad because it misleads people. Yep. And people who don't have great critical thinking skills, they're just, they don't have a chance. I know. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, even, even I, like, you know, like, I feel like if I was any less skeptical, I'm certainly not smart enough to refute most of this stuff. I'm not learned in any of the fields of some of this BS. So if I was any less skeptical, I'd be ready to walk into the hole too. Yeah. Um. Uh. So anyway, <laughs> this bullshit. This has been Christy gets real mad and gets <laughs> on the soapbox. <laughs> so all that bullshit aside, the site shut down just a few years later. It was like it started in 2006. It was dead by 2008. In that intervening time... Are you telling me not enough people bought quantum prayer wheels? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Surprisingly... Weird! I can't believe any... I, this guy took her for such a ride. That's what happened. This guy yeah. sold her such... I mean, she probably believed it, too. Well, the L-M-N-O-P-U-X-Y-Z legit, whatever that acronym is. I know. Quantum... It's got quantum physics in it, so you know it's good. No, it's real. Uh, so, yeah, it shut down two years later, this website. In the intervening time, she and, and in the time that followed, she took on the crusade against the vaccine manufacturers that she believed had caused autism in her child. So, so. basically, you can see the ride that I described mm-hmm. people taking going from, you know, like, this is really bad. This is this is heartbreaking. Oh, wait, no, it's a gift. My child is magical. And then kind of out the other side but without anything to grab onto and right. so going going after you know vaccine manufacturers as what Let's she thought was the it. most likely explanation mm-hmm. you know I mean she's I believe she's incorrect in that belief but you could see where she you could see the I, whole roller coaster I feel for her yeah. in some ways I do too um, she she clearly I mean she, I'm sure she loves her kids I don't think she's probably a bad person or a bad mom no I think she's just wrong 
she's wrong. Um, she she needed something. Yeah. She needed help is what she needed. She needed someone to sit her down and go, hey, here's, these are the ropes. Yeah. And a lot of times, especially I'm sure at the time when her kid, when she had her kid and her kid was diagnosed, there wasn't as much information as there even is now. And yeah. even now there isn't always enough help. Yeah, right. So There's a lot of holes. I, I feel for her. I think she really was just wanting the best for her kid. Yes. But it's easy to be misled. Yeah. I get mad at the people that do the misleading. Me and too. She isn't guilt free because she's done quite a bit of misleading herself. Yeah. Well, she's got her University of Google degree, as I saw it described. <laughs> you know, she spent enough time reading whatever she could find online and she came out convinced and you know, that's it's an easy place to fall into being dead convinced of something incorrect. And you know, yeah. I'm sure I I'm sure I have those gaps in my my knowledge and uh, and beliefs and opinions as well. You know, we are not immune to this. Yeah. I mean, we try pretty hard. We try. And we and we apply a lot of skepticism, which I think is about the best thing you can do to try and steer your we mind. We are cynical assholes. <laughs> we really are. <laughs> we believe in very little. Yeah. Uh, that cannot um, be demonstrated. Yeah. So, I I have empathy for her. As do I. She also makes me angry. I know. Um, well, she's a figurehead for something. Right. And that kind of puts her in the crosshairs of anyone who's like, well, slow down. Right. Um, another podcast that I really enjoy is Ono, Ross, and Carrie. Yeah. And they they go experience things that are like kind of in the woo yeah. category. They take the dive into all kinds of strange beliefs, groups, cultures, cults. Yeah, they, they go do the thing and tell you all about it. It's really great. And they have a good kind of skeptical mindset, but they also really want to be convinced of something. If it's there, they really do want to believe it. They have great positive attitudes. Um, they did an anti-vaxxer couple yeah. episodes on that. It was really interesting. I would love to listen to that, actually. I'll we have to should. look that up sometime. Part. We'll listen to it sometime. Um, so I, I suggest the whole podcast, listen to all of it. There's yeah. a billion interesting episodes, but, mm-hmm. uh, they're really, if, really great. If you want to know more about the anti-vax thing, you don't know much about it, or you just want to know what they think of it. Uh, they went to like, uh, what would you call it? Like a, kind of like a conference kind of thing about sure. it. Like a convention. Yeah. It was, it was something. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Jam-packed with people with shady credentials or doctors whose doctorate was in history or... Lots of different devices because it, it was like the convention thing. So there was like talking, there was a quote unquote march, but there were also people with products set up. Yeah. So listen to that. Definitely. Um, it's a solid you recommendation. want to know more. It was interesting. But let's get back to the topic at hand. Well, what I want to get back to is the conclusion. Because <laughs> okay. really, I have talked about everything that I know about this at this point. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of want to sum up what I think are, what is the real, the sort of my takeaway of this thing. Um, this shares a lot of similarities with a lot of these pseudoscientific, you know, barely believable things. Mm-hmm. It's not very different in a lot of ways from some of the things we talked about with Alex Jones and his people or, you know, the, the reptilian people or you know, any group of people that believe something that's, if not wishful thinking, it's like self-delusion. Yeah. Um, it's rooted in a really real desire that I empathize with big time, which yeah. is avoiding something scary or challenging 
and replacing that very thing with like the mystical or magical counterpart for it. Or to make yourself feel like you're really in the know about something. We all or to be, be special. special. Just to we, be special. We all want to be special. We yeah. all want to think that the struggles that we go through are yeah. for a reason. Yeah. And in that particular, it means something more than just life is shitty sometimes. In particular, every parent wants their kid to be special. Right. More so and, even you know than themselves. I mean, it's a parent's biggest desire that their kid be something really great. And especially if you see your kid struggling in some way or another. Yeah. It would be, it would feel great to yeah. be able to rationalize that and go, I know they're really struggling. It's just because they're meant for really big, important things and they're really special and it's going to be tough. Yeah. They're struggling really hard. They're different than other kids. But it's going to be great. It's for the greater good. Yeah. I understand wanting to feel like that. All of that is born out of a really human desire that I can understand. And and I just do want to, again, emphasize the flip side of this, which is I really think the kid always loses. Yeah. I mean, this is – there was someone who made a claim, which I could not verify. I didn't follow up on the research, so I don't want to make it like an assertion of my own. Yeah. But someone made the claim that – very often, this indigo child thing can be tracked with kids with parents that display signs of narcissism, and that a lot yeah. of these, a lot of this, treating their child in this way, could quantify as abuse on some level too. Well, it kind of strikes me as like almost a Munchausen by proxy esque yeah. sort of behavior. It's another because, thing that's more about the parent than the kid. Because it's like, well, maybe no one will buy that I'm special, mm-hmm. but look how special my kid is and right. then they get that attention. Yeah. So that could be that could be some of it. I don't know that it's everyone that believes this thing, but I can yeah. understand. I that. think there's a lot of motivations for falling into this and that's probably I, one of them. I did quickly want to talk about the fact, because we're talking about wanting to believe you're special and stuff, mm-hmm. that I think you were too um we were both in the quote unquote gifted program in school. Oh boy. And <sighs> It, there's no reason for these programs to exist <laughs> because what happened, what the gifted program meant for me. So you take a test at a young age and they decide that in one or more categories, you mm-hmm. are um, functioning at a level higher than your peers. Mm-hmm. What that meant for me was in elementary school, I got taken out of my math class yeah. and Put in the boiler room yeah. with other kids. Not joking, it was the boiler room. There's mm-hmm. a little chalkboard in there, and there were like six of us. Right. And we had like, it was almost like an additional language arts kind of class. Mm-hmm. And then I had to make up my math homework, which I am not gifted in math. Mm-hmm. I struggled because <laughs> I like, I'm not, I'm not horrible at math. Yeah. But I'm not great at it. I could have used sitting in that math class yeah. and not done the other thing. You ended up having a harder time. Right. And this continued throughout my whole education. I was yeah. a, a gifted student. What has it meant for me? Nothing. It didn't... I, I took some honors classes and stuff, but I could yeah. have taken those whether or not I was told I was gifted. Yeah. That emphasis didn't matter. I hate to say it, but I think I think I had a similar experience with it. I, I think it's a disservice. I absolutely believe in teaching a child to their strengths. Yeah. And if you see your kid is reading at a level beyond other kids, give them harder material. Yeah. Challenge them right. educationally. Um, but don't fragment their education. But, 
Right. Don't don't take them out of a class. Don't just don't do it that way. There are better ways to do it. And don't yeah. keep telling kids, well, you're special, you're gifted, you're special, you're gifted. Yeah. It ended up not making me any different than anybody else. Yeah, to say nothing of the fact that it put a real pressure on that you could measure. Yeah. I mean, I remember the feeling that like Okay, these people are telling me that I'm that I'm performing at this level up here. I'm and, supposed to be doing really great things, and I don't feel that way. Yeah. Or even worse, you know, like developing that kind of internal voice that says, "Yeah, I'm great." Yeah. Like I'm no, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of false confidence, because when you get out there in the world, after all this education is done, you are the same as everybody else. Right. Not to mention <laughs> like. When I was in middle school, I had a really hard time. Middle school was really difficult for me. Sure. And part of it was just, like, workload and stuff, like, the amount of homework. Mm-hmm. And I am a slow worker. Right. And so that feeling like I should be better than this mm-hmm. because I'm gifted. Yeah. Why is this hard? And yeah. it, it just... It compounds problems that are it probably already going to happen. It doesn't help. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also... I think everyone meant well. Yeah. Yeah, they do. They, they really did. Do. But it just comes back to the root of, like, wanting kids to be special and wanting... It's good to encourage kids. Mm-hmm. And it's good to challenge them. Yeah. There are better ways to do it. And it's better to, like, work with that kid's strengths uh-huh. rather than just, like, say, oh, you're special. Go do great things because you're special. Yeah. And just write it off and not really address the issue. I think it is a very parallel experience. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think honestly... They, you're, they weren't saying we had special abilities other than just intelligence or... or yeah, but, yeah, but it was... Arts, yeah. But there was a very similar thing. It was, right. an, it was an implication that you're different. Mm-hmm. And that's just not healthy to begin with. I don't think it's good for kids to, to really It's good to get recognize kind of your differences and the things that you are specifically good at and mm-hmm. your strengths and to grow those things. But it's not healthy to give kids this idea of, like, you're better than other kids. It's a label that's not healthy for you to carry around in your head. Right. It doesn't help anybody. And in this case, to be specific about these, these indigo children, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's... It's it's not fair to them to have the things about them that need need help or work or mm-hmm. like some level of attention yeah. to just be gratified fine and glorified. So if your kid's particularly bossy, difficult, resistant, that's something you as a parent need to work on because they have to function in the world. They have to go to school and, and obey teachers because they have to they just have to fit in the machine somehow. It's, yeah. like, not a pleasant thing to think about, but, like, we all have to figure out how to exist within the confines of, like, societal rules. You have to deal with other people yes. in your life in some way or another. And you need to be told you're wrong sometimes. Right. You can't go through life being like, yeah, but I'm the best and right. Yeah. I work with people like this. Yeah. I it's deal insufferable. I like every day, and it is so angering and so frustrating because you can't tell someone they're wrong. If they're the kind of person that believes they never are, you, if you believe you're never wrong, yeah, you don't learn. 
Yes. You don't learn anything. Now, I personally err on the opposite side of this. Mm -hmm. I think I'm always wrong, and everything <laughs> is always my fault. And even if I wasn't there on the day that the bad thing happened, it was probably my fault. Right. I somehow I somehow did it. I don't know how. I uh, wasn't there, but well, I did it. obviously that's fair. Um, but also, like, that's partially a lot of Catholic guilt. But, <clears throat> but yeah, it's if you tell a kid or tell a person that they're never wrong and everything's okay all the time yeah. and they're the best, they don't learn. You're making a worse kid. Yeah. I mean, that's really... We need really good kids, guys. Like, we we need good human <laughs> beings. Please Badly. don't fuck it up. <laughs> so, if I could, so if I could put a fine point on this to conclude my thoughts on this, mm -hmm. it's this. I think it's one thing if people want to delude themselves or if they want to follow something fantastical and believe in something fantastical when the only consequences are for them. Yeah. When you pull your kids into this thing and you parent them in such a way as to make them functionally incapable of operating in the world. And I really think that's what happens here. Mm -hmm. I don't care what your intentions are. You're a dick. <laughs> your kids deserve better. That's really how I feel about it. Still maintain that idea in your mind and your heart that your kid is special because you're always going to think that. And on some level, that's okay. But give your kid every opportunity you can to have a shot at doing whatever the thing is that they want to do mm -hmm. and having every possible opportunity they can have. Yeah. Whatever Be that means for you. I'm not even talking monetarily opportunities. I'm just talking about raising children in such a way that they've got options. They're given the help that they need for whatever they've got going on, and they're not they're not just written off as being special, and that's it. Yes, I agree. It's it's <clears throat> it's for their sake, you know. It's you know. I th again, I think a lot of this is about the parents and their wishes, and not yeah. about the kids. Yeah. Um. So that's really – that's all I have on it. Now, I want to say something real quick. Okay. I know I took a lot of hard stances on this kind of thing and I know yeah. I know a lot of this stuff is, is gonna, you know – I feel like this is the episode that's going to piss people off. <laughs> it probably is. So you know what? If you disagreed, if you thought that maybe I was unfair or if you, if you have something to add to this, please comment. Yeah, let, us, let know. us know. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe your parents raised you as an indigo child and you turn out just fine. Yeah. If, if you know, maybe if you're maybe I indigo made child, tell us. If I've made some bad assumptions or said some really crazy stuff, by all means, please challenge us on it because this is we, something that I have developed a strong opinion about, but that I don't really know personally on any level. We haven't met anyone who's an indigo child or, or at least as, an indigo child yeah. or, or whose parents raised them as an indigo child. So, so any of that applies to you or you're raising your kid as mm -hmm. an indigo child. You think your child is an indigo child or whatever term you use for it. Mm -hmm. Talk to us. Let us know. We are reasonable people, and yeah. we want to know when we're wrong or when maybe we haven't considered something. Mm -hmm. We we have our opinions, but it doesn't mean we're inflexible. We want to hear what people have right. to say to us. So by all means, if you listen to this, you had some strong feelings about it, too, let us know. Wait, this, yeah. this show, in a lot of ways, I think can be a conversation with the people listening. So I would um, like it to be that. But that is, that's it. That's Indigo Children in a, in a nutshell. Yes. This episode made me so angry. I know. I didn't think I was going to get so angry. I was surprised, too, by how I felt about some of this. And honestly, just sad. I mean, like... Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little bummed. I'm a little bit <laughs> bummed out because 
again, <coughs> a lot of this, <coughs> excuse me, a lot of this I can empathize with in, I, in a I big think way. That's it. I think it, it hit our empathy bone. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Maybe more so for children than parents. Right. Um, but but right. still, for parents, there's a lot to empathize with there. So. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think it was a good episode. Yeah, I feel good about um, it. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys learned a lot. Or little goslings. Oh, my gosh. I hope you learned a lot. I'm going to take a minute to get used to that. Yeah, Papa Goose over here. <laughs> I'm not Papa Goose. <laughs> you find some other Papa Goose. Papa Drag. <laughs> um, <coughs> Excuse me. Please communicate with us. Talk mm-hmm. to us uh, again. Give us your suggestions. And uh, you, yeah. it, well, I was just going to say, and you will see us next week with yeah. another episode. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's it. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> so. So next week, episode seven next week. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we will be talking to you in the yeah. near future. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a nice week. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod, and our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com. If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast at gmail.com. Want to go on a goose chase? Ooh, yes. 